We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in to the CFB Nation All-America Podcast, which can be found on the CFB Nation YouTube channel every Wednesday morning during the college football season. I'm Bill Trochi, Senior Editor at SportingNews.com, and I'm joined by Bill Bender, Senior Writer here at SportingNews.com. Uh, together, we will bridge the gap between Saturdays and give you college football content you need each week during the season. Bill, say hello to the uh, good folks here at CFB Nation and uh, tell them what they'll be getting each week. Yeah, and we wore the same outfit. We we have the same name, the same kind of the same face, kind of the same clothes. We're gonna have to figure that out a little bit, Bill. And and it's are we gonna go by Trochi and Bender? I don't know. That's kind of what they do at Sporting News. But no, um, you know, this is my let's say ninth year on the beat at Sporting News, maybe maybe 10 in college football. And we've worked together for a few years. We have strong opinions on college football, good cross-section of SEC, Big Ten, and, and really the whole country knowledge. And um, we're going to give this a try. So if you listen to us, I I guarantee you'll be entertained. Um, you'll, you'll be informed and you'll be ready to go like we are for week one. All right. Today's show, we're going to talk about some transfer QBs, Notre Dame and its relationship with the Big Ten. Bill Bender's got some uh, spicy thoughts on that one. And then uh, we're going to unveil our uh, confidence contest where the two Bills will go head-to-head in a bowl-style confidence pool each week to get you ready for the weekend. Um, So section one, we're going to talk about transfer QBs. We had a fun transfer QB quiz on sportingnews.com this morning. Uh, I hope you took it, Bill. I hope you went nine for nine as well. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so as you look at, you know, just the free agency aspect of, of, of the transfer portal, and it certainly has hit the quarterback position as hard or harder than any other position. Um, what do you see when you think about uh, all the transfer QBs heading into this year? And then is there a guy who you think is just, you know, going to stand out at the end of the year when we have a list of the top 10 QB performers this year who, are, who were transfers? Who's going to be near or at the top of that list? Well, you know, when you're dealing, one of the striking things about it is if you look at the 65 power five teams, more than 20 
are going to have a first-year starter that was a transfer quarterback. That's a third of the uh, Power Five teams. And they're not just, you know, their names ranging from Caleb Williams, who I'm sure we'll talk about, and Spencer Rattler, who was a five-star quarterback with a huge background, to you know, guys that have been around the game forever. And the transfer quarterback I kind of like, the more I think about it, and it's, it might make some people scoff, is I like the setup that Adrian Martinez has at Kansas State, believe it or not. I know he's turnover prone. I know he was in Nebraska forever. I know what, there was a tendency to make the big play, then turn around and throw one of those interceptions that made you shake your head. Um, but I also know you're dealing with a, a good setup in terms of this was a team that had a plus five turnover ratio last year, which was up on the top half of the country. They have Colin Klein at offensive coordinator. And those who remember Colin Klein, he, what did he do? He ran the football. He didn't turn the ball over. And he did that all the way to New York as a Heisman finalist. Now, I'm not saying Adrian Martinez will be that, but I think he could surprise on a team that, that's bound to surprise there in um, uh, Kansas State and Manhattan this year. Yeah, I, you're right. I think six top 25 teams are going to be starting transfer quarterbacks. Uh, one of them... Uh, it's going to be Oklahoma and Dylan Gabriel will be there, guys coming in from UCF reuniting with his offensive coordinator, Jeff Levy. I think he's going to be in a good position to succeed. I think Oklahoma is still, you know, probably the te- most talented team in the big 12. Baylor might be the pick uh, that people are leaning towards, but I still think, you know, Gabriel came in, uh, thought about transferring to UCLA for a few weeks, then uh, saw the opening at Oklahoma uh, saw a clear path to being the starter. Uh, some, you know, a, a fair number of these transfers have had to win the job in the spring and, and or, or are still in battles uh, in fall camp. Uh, Gabriel came in, won the job right away in the spring. There's been no no chance. So I think his path for success uh, looks pretty good uh, for someone who, you know, like I said, he he he, he he's mm-hmm. he missed. I think the last nine games or eight games last year at UCF after he got hurt, um, he's in position to really be kind of a bounce back, not necessarily from, from performance, but from an injury perspective. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Trade Coffee sent us two new flavors after my wife filled out their quiz. Big City French Roast from Joe Coffee in New York City and Black Velvet from Atomic Coffee Roasters in Massachusetts. The Black Velvet was a dark roast with a note of burnt sugar, graham cracker, and malted milk balls. It was a very rich but smooth flavor that reminded her a bit of her favorite dessert, creme brulee. 
The Big City French Roast was also a dark roast, which is right up my wife's alley. And it was flavored with burnt sugar, baking chocolate, and roasted almonds. The smell in the kitchen while she was preparing a cup of coffee put a smile on my face, and she said the taste was even better and sweeter. And she didn't pick these flavors. They were chosen by trade after she filled out a short quiz. You got to give this a try. And Trade Coffee connects customers to the freshest and best tasting coffee they've ever made at home by partnering with the country's best craft roasters. These are independent businesses from big cities and small towns. Trade customers are truly impactful for these independent roasters, often being the largest source of new growth for them. Trade's coffee team actually taste tests thousands of coffees to keep 450 different kinds live and ready to ship every day. There's no one perfect coffee, but there is a perfect coffee for you, and Trade's human-powered algorithm will find it. Trade is so confident they'll match you right the first time that if they don't, They'll take your feedback, and an actual coffee expert will work with you to send you a brand new bag for free. Right now, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of $30 off your first order plus free shipping and handling when you go to drinktrade.com forward slash Irish. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com forward slash Irish and let Trade find you a coffee you'll love. That's drinktrade.com forward slash Irish for $30 off. Super efficient quarterback. You're right, Bill. And I think in that offense with the skill position talent around him and and some familiarity, obviously, with Josh Heupel, who's loosely tied to Oklahoma as well. I'm sure that was a recommendation in there at some point. So, yeah, I mean, when you're at the control zone of an offense like that, Dylan Gabriel, not only, I mean, Oklahoma quarterbacks, get to New York. So it wouldn't be a surprise to me if he did, as long as he stays healthy in that offense. Is there a QB you're a little bit worried about? Maybe uh, they, you're not sure the path they took, the decision they made that, uh, that it's going to turn out strong for him this year. Well, well, you and I talked about this a lot, that, that there were guys that transferred that had starting jobs at power five places and they still transferred where they were in, maybe less of a chance to start, which was peculiar. I mean, not a Charlie Brewer type situation, obviously, but there are a couple like that. Um, You know, one guy that's obviously going to get a lot of attention that we're going to be watching very closely all year is Quinn Ewers. So I'm not saying Quinn Ewers is going to struggle right off the bat. I think one of the things to keep in mind, we have not seen him throw a pass at the collegiate level. We've seen him get an NIL deal. We've seen him go to Ohio State. We've seen him transfer to Texas. We've seen him help bring Arch Manning to Texas, and we've seen everybody project his future without him throwing a pass, which, you know, I went back, looked at uh, Sam Ellinger, for example. If you go on his bio, it says he was 23-6 and when he was healthy throughout the game, which is a pretty good career for a starting quarterback. But in those four years that Ellinger was on campus, Texas was 32-18. and So it's just a case to me that no matter what Quinn Ewers does this year, the expectations are always going to be too high. If he goes out and plays really well against Alabama and they lose, people are still going to expect more out of Quinn Ewers. And it can't be an easy job knowing that Arch Manning is going to be coming (laughs) soon. So I think he's just in an impossible situation to please. Yeah, I was going to say, when are you going to start talking about Arch Manning, you know, figuratively breathing down his neck uh, right off the bat before he even throws a pass again? So, uh, yeah, you're right. He's 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 in a tough spot. 
Um, but if you believe, you know, all of the uh, the analysts who have seen him at these camps and everything like that, he is ready to live up to the hype, and he has got the talent. He's got the the, the Trevor Lawrence level talent, and he could be able to do it. Um, I'm looking at a guy like Indiana's uh, Michael Penix, who uh, transferred to Washington. Um, didn't have a clear path to the starting job. Is still battling Dylan Morris and uh, and Sam Heward. Uh, Morris started all last year, or uh, for almost the whole the whole season. Heward's a five star. He's a legacy. Um, so it's a quarter, it's a crowded quarterback room. Um, you know, I loved Penix during that pandemic season. Of course, he's had so many injuries. It's too bad uh, that he hasn't been able to like stay on the field and stay healthy because um you know he could be electrifying at times but um you, you, you i just i kind of think maybe he looks at the group of five level for this season where he's got a clear path where he's got a you know an opportunity to to join maybe an upper upper third team in a conference versus washington who was four and eight last year they're picked middle of the conference probably best case scenario uh, they've got you know nine conference games. They got Michigan State this year. I don't know. I just I don't know that he's in the best situation. He's got to stay healthy. And, and you you said it. There's three viable quarterbacks in that situation. Not to mention a new coach. So that light. I don't even want to call it lightning in a bottle with with Penix at Indiana. He was amazing that year. I mean, he really vaulted that team to be the second best team in the Big Ten. And it, it, you want him to do well there. Obviously, though, he's that guy that we were just talking about that had a starting job that had a little trouble with injuries, and then he goes somewhere where, you know, Ford's a guy that obviously there there is a legacy there. They want to see him play, and, and Morris played well in spots last year. So with Kalen DeBoer, I guess it's all bets are off in terms of who's going to start there. Let's talk about the two Oklahoma starting quarterbacks who – both technically went to USC schools with a uh, USC out on the West Coast and a USC in the East Coast. Who do you like to have a better season this year, Caleb Williams or Spencer Rattler? Caleb Williams, just because the Pac-12 is going to be set up for him to be more successful. I mean, when you look what they got, him, they got him Oregon's leading rusher. They got him Jordan Addison who's a first-round NFL receiver who I think they'll form an immediate connection and and do very well. They got him um, Lincoln Riley's play calling, which has been brilliant. And when Caleb Williams, you're looking at a guy that had 21 touchdowns, four interceptions, incredible playmaking ability. I I mean, I look at him and I see a future number one pick because he does the things that NFL quarterbacks do. And we saw that in spots. There were ups and downs last year. Um, I'm not saying Spencer Rattler's not going to play well. I actually like him at South Carolina, too, with Shane Beamer. I think he will show attributes that NFL scouts are going to like against a tougher schedule. It's different going up against TCU than it is on the road at Arkansas. Or, you know, they played Georgia early in the year. So I actually think Spencer Rattler's a guy that could probably go 8-4 and as a starter this year and be better off for it when he gets to the NFL. So... Very interesting question there, and I know there's a lot of USC quarterbacks that have went out and a lot that have come in and moved around, um, you know, but I, I do like Caleb Williams' potential in that offense, and, you know, there's a reason he's listed right behind Stroud and Bryce Young in a lot of those Heisman discussions. Yeah, you you talked to Rattler in the spring. Um, mm-hmm. he, he joins a team that uh, 
overachieved a little bit last year, but had nothing at quarterback. I mean, they were they literally started a graduate assistant at quarterback at one point. So he fills a huge need. You talk about a guy who had a clear path to the starting job. <laughs> um, you know, he comes in to a team that's, you know, Beamer is rebuilding nicely. They had a huge hole at quarterback. Rattler is filling it. Um, out at USC, they still have big problems on both offensive line, defensive line. You mentioned the skill players they have. You just got to hope for Williams' sake, he's standing upright and he can, he can you know, be able to throw the ball before he gets hit, use these skill players, and uh, you know USC can produce the kind of offense that on paper, at least with these skill guys, right. that they will be able to do. All right, so let's talk section two here at CFB Nation All-American Podcast. Notre Dame and the Big Ten. Bill Bender, you had an interesting take at SportingNews.com last week about uh, Notre Dame and the Big Ten. The Big Ten should withdraw its essentially open invitation to join the conference and to stop playing Notre Dame as a non-conference opponent in football. We're talking, of course. Um, Why do you feel that way? Well, I mean, no, let's start. Before we even get to that, let's start with (laughs) a few things here. Like when I wrote that column, the, the... Notre Dame fans and, you know, our, our good friend Brian Driscoll at Irish Breakdown, he likes to get on me about this stuff. But here's the deal. I'm a 12-year Catholic school kid, grew up in Ohio. I'm drinking, like, if you look, look, this is a Notre Dame glass that I got. It's very, look how old that is. And I that drink water old. out of it. So I don't want to hear this, that I'm a Notre Dame hater by any means. I got that <laughs> trip to South Bend and and I it's one of my best water cups. So I drink out, of, I literally drink out of the cup of Notre Dame fandom you know whatever you want to say but the holy water right there yeah i get to see this from you know i like to one of the things with my background i like to pride myself notre dame high state in that area know a lot about michigan and those are the three programs i probably write about most and understand most so what i don't understand is why notre dame continues to cling on to independence and that's kind of what from their angle this whole tv deal i understand it from notre dame's angle i wouldn't not do what they do you give me my own network, my own five game arrangement with the ACC, my own scheduling, my own money. Um, fine. But you can't tell me that they don't fit in the Big Ten. They play hockey there. You can't tell me that any of those ACC games are better than Michigan, Notre Dame. They're not. And, and I don't know why the Big Ten continues to give them that open invitation when they've been turned down time after time after time. And I know the history behind it. It's not like I don't know why. Notre Dame doesn't has this weird relationship with the Big Ten. So, you know, like I said, I'm not being an Irish hater, but if I'm, from the Big Ten standpoint, I'd be like, all right, dude, you know, we've tried this many times. When we go to 20 and the SEC goes to 20, you're not going to be a part of it. But don't you think shutting off Notre Dame as a non-conference opponent hurts the Big Ten? I mean, no. Yes and no. I mean, from a rating standpoint, yeah. NBC is going to make them play nice, so to speak. If there's this Big Ten slash Notre Dame Saturday, I get it. They and they already have that on the schedule. They have Purdue. They have high or they have Michigan. They have Michigan State. They have all those games. But what I don't understand from the Notre Dame angle sometimes is that there's this notion that they're above the Big Ten. 
I think that's how people feel in Penn State and Columbus and Michigan. That that why did Michigan or Notre Dame and Michigan break that relationship off? Why is it that I've lived in Ohio most of my life and they've played one? This is only the second home and home that they've played in 43 years. That, that's absurd to me when you're dealing with what, in my estimation, could be one of the best rivalries in college football with Ohio State and, and Notre Dame, especially with Marcus Freeman there. So, and here's something I'd, I'd like to point out is I did some research. And so Notre Dame all time against the Big Ten, 209, 106, and 14. You look at that, you're like, yeah, if you're a Notre Dame fan, yeah, yeah, we're super better than the Big Ten. You know, go Irish. But if you look at since the BCS era, which is about the last 25 years of modern football, they're 33 and 27. That's not that great. And if you take away Purdue, who they're 14 and four against, that goes down to 19 and 23. And here's, I know you're going to give me trivia in a little bit, but Bill, here's my trivia for you. Oh boy. Who are the only Big Ten schools that Notre Dame has a losing record against all time? Ohio State. Yeah. I'm going to say Michigan. And Michigan. There you go. So there you go. That's where all this angst is. It's why can't Notre Dame be in that same room with Michigan and Ohio State? Share the power. Create a ridiculous conference with USC and maybe Stanford if they add in. I think all of it adds up that if I think some Notre Dame fans, not all, have to like at least look at that plan from the Big Ten and say, yeah, I'd want a piece of that if it comes to that. Why wouldn't they? Well, I mean, as has been said a million times, Notre Dame values its independence. Uh, if they can make the financials work, which it looks like they're going to be able to, uh, and they have a clear path to the national championship in terms of playoff participation, they're going to choose independence every time. And, and, you know, it's not easy to go about it as an independent. So you got to give them credit for being able to figure out how to make it work. And mm-hmm. I think people do get tired of it's the, you know, the exception that Notre Dame has, you know, it's five conference champions and Notre Dame and Notre Dame and Notre Dame it always has to be in Notre Dame, but they've sort of earned their, their spot in the, in the, in the college football landscape by making a go of it. I mean, a lot, you know, like 30 years ago, however many years ago, there was lots of independent teams. And then a bunch of them joined the Big East, and then the Big East collapsed. And then Miami went to the ACC, and it's like, you know, Penn State used to be independent. Like, there, were, there used to be a lot of independents. Now there's basically one standing, or BYU two. There's two standing. And they've worked hard to make it work, and I think it's still going to keep working for them. And, um, yeah. you know, they just enjoy the fact that they can have these fun two-game home-and-home series like they did with Georgia a couple years ago. They've got uh, Alabama on the schedule, I think, 29 and 30 or something like that. They've got a few fun ones coming up. Uh, They've got, well, Michigan State and Michigan are in the next 10, 15 years. they got a Texas A&M. They've got uh, Florida. will be fun. They've got a one-off with Arkansas. I think the home-and-home part of that might have died in the pandemic. they got a, a back half of a Wisconsin neutral site that's going to be fun. I mean, that's just been part of their allure to have the flexibility to have these, you know, two game, like I said, the, the, the home and home things in addition to their staples. Uh, and if, it, if they join the Big Ten, maybe those go away. Well, in sub, but, but that's my point. Like, which ones have the most history tied to them? 
Like I, I was arguing, one of my buddies is a huge Notre Dame fan, and he was trying to tell me that Notre Dame is prime time against everybody. Like I've watched some bad Notre Dame Florida State primetime games, and I let's be honest about it: the Notre Dame USC rivalry in recent seasons, not not that great. It, I think the potential for it to be really awesome with Lincoln Riley and Marcus Freeman, yeah, that's there. But there was a year a couple years ago where I forgot USC and Notre Dame was on. Being honest, I mean, I forgot they were on. And I'm like, because, and that wasn't on Notre Dame's end. That was on the other end of it, to be fair. That was on, that was USC's fault. But, you know, what, what rivalry has more history than Michigan Notre Dame or Michigan State Notre Dame? That, that has angst back to 1966. Purdue Notre Dame, that's very important. And I will contend that in this modern era, going into whatever the, the next chapter of college football is, that Ohio State Notre Dame has the potential to be the best game in college football if they play it on a regular basis. You can't tell me otherwise. Not with the not with the Marcus Freeman tie. Not with the what Ohio Ohio State's been the dominant power in the Midwest in the 21st century. 20th century Notre Dame. That's fine. 21st century Ohio State. There's actually a time right now where they they're going to be quote unquote right at the same time because when they played in the 90s and that's going to get brought up a lot in the next 10 days. Notre Dame wasn't quite what Ohio State was when they played. And I'm not making excuses, but Ohio State was Eddie George and Orlando Pace and those guys. And Notre Dame was coming out of the back end of the Holtz era. This is the first time, maybe in a year or two, where they're both going to be recruiting at a ridiculous level. It could be the North's version of Georgia, Alabama. And I just don't understand why somebody would say no to that and cite independence. And I know I'm right. Because I'm right. <laughs> uh, this this series reminds me of, I think I told you, the um, the Notre Dame-Georgia series of a couple years ago, where it was two, uh, and, and it reminds me of what it was in the, the Notre Dame-Ohio State in the 90s. Like two top five, top 10. Notre Dame hadn't quite crested or actually was coming down off the, off the Holtz sort of, you know, the, the peak of the Holtz years. And they were on the back end, like you said, uh, Notre Dame, Georgia. Notre Dame was still kind of on the rise. Georgia was sort of already up there. Georgia won both those games. Ohio State won both the games in the '90s. Um, but it's it's you know it's interesting to see Notre Dame recruiting at a level that Ohio State has been recruiting at now. And you're right. In the next five years, this has the potential to be a terrific game. Now, one thing you mentioned, Brian Driscoll, Irish breakdown. By the way, any Notre Dame fan who wants to get in the weeds with Notre Dame, you've got to subscribe to, to Irish Breakdown. Those guys are, uh, you know, walking encyclopedias for the last 30 years, 40 years of, of Notre Dame football. It's amazing stuff. He brought up something that I hadn't heard anywhere else that I thought was interesting was, and I think I told you, um, if the ACC contract breaks down and things sort of, the you know, Florida State and Miami and Clemson all find new homes and things like that, could you imagine a – ACC-style agreement between Notre Dame and the Big Ten, where Notre Dame plays five Big Ten teams a year, leaves seven games on their own slate as as an independent, uh, rotates through uh, five at a time, or however they do it with the ACC, and uh, they're able to maintain independence but still have more Notre Dame-Penn State games and more Notre Dame-Michigan games and more Notre Dame-Wisconsin games. What would you, and, and, you know, join the Big Ten for all the other sports that are, you know, 
more it would be more local as far as travel and things like that what would the big 10 say to that concept probably that yeah we can't imagine that because we watched it in september from the time i was in third grade till (laughs) you know notre dame stopped doing those things so if i would like i said if i was kevin warren i would take a hard line and say we're not doing a half membership i get why they do it with the acc i do and it you know, it's beyond a football discussion. It has elevated the basketball program. And I'm a big college basketball guy. I love watching Notre Dame. and Mike Bray, he's one of the best. And, you know, it elevate, they had a couple of Elite Eight appearances right away. So it elevated them. And it's elevated their women's basketball program. You know, you watch them when you play those games. So, I, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't let them have a half arrangement. I said, you're, we're either married or we're not. I mean, that's what I would, that's what I would do if Kevin Warren and I get it because, but again, I think they're going to get that organically anyway, because if they're both playing with NBC, essentially NBC is going to push that. We want Notre Dame versus Purdue. We want Notre Dame versus Michigan. And there they'll still be great games because of the regionality of it. But at the end of the day, can you picture a big 10 championship game in 2028 or 2029? And, if, you, if you're a Notre Dame fan and you really want to piss off everybody else in the conference, Notre Dame versus USC for the Big Ten Championship. The winner goes to play Alabama. I mean, that that is the ultimate troll if you're the Irish more so than not joining the conference, in my opinion. Well, it's it's interesting. We just watched all summer long that, you know, the last couple of years, everyone in college football is out for themselves. What's good, and everybody wants, everybody is, you know, they're driven by self-interest and the big 10 is what's best for the big 10 is keeping a good relationship with Notre Dame. What's best for Notre Dame, keeping a good relationship with the big 10. They don't necessarily have to get married for both of them to be happy. And that's why I think, you know, I don't think that they would ever pull, pull out completely and tell them we don't want to play you anymore or anything like that. And like you said, I think you told me there's some escalators in this contract to allow for Notre Dame to join. Yeah, and the SBJ had those, and and that just tells me that the flirtation will never end. I, I kind of chuckled when I read that New York Times article from 1999 when Jim Delaney said we will not invite Notre Dame again. That didn't happen. Uh, we heard the Notre Dame chancellor at the time of affairs at the time say we'd rather be one of one than one of twelve. Well, that that stayed the same, and and Notre Dame has got by, and they have to their credit again. Great athletic director, forward-thinking guy in Jack Swarbrick, able to do these things and get them included in the playoff and making sure that they are, are still – you know, one of the things I will say, as I, I it drives me crazy when people say Notre Dame's irrelevant because they're not. They've had five straight 10-win seasons. Brian Kelly has pushed them into that – the bridge. I call them the bridge, but, and we talked about this last week, where Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia are the cream – Clemson's next, and then it's Notre Dame. And that's Marcus Freeman's job is to recruit at a level that we don't hear the same press conference when they play at Georgia or in Alabama or, honestly, when they play Ohio State here in a few weeks. What are you going to hear? We didn't have enough on the perimeter. We didn't have enough speed on the perimeter, those kind of things. And I think Marcus Freeman's going to change that just in time for their Big Ten opener when they join the Big Ten. So – that, that, and I think it's a fair argument both ways. Great. Okay. All right, Bill. Let is, let's move on. That was good talk. Good discussion. Um, 
I'm going to hit you with my trivia question. Then we will go into our uh, confidence contest. Do not answer the question yet. I want you thinking about it. I want you distracted while you're making your picks. Okay. okay. So I can uh, take advantage here. Uh, trivia question. We were talking about um, transfer QBs. We're talking about week zero, the games that we're going to pick and things like that. I'm going to go back to last year when it was uh, Illinois playing Nebraska. Okay. Illinois. Starting quarterback, transferred in from Michigan, Brandon Peters. Uh, got hurt in the second quarter against Nebraska. Who came in when Brandon Peters went down in the second quarter against Nebraska? Don't answer that. Don't look it up. But I, I will yeah, give you a chance at the end of the show. I thought, thought it was a, a challenging question. I think you should get it. You think you'll probably get it, but uh want you mulling it over. Okay, so – Confidence contest. Here are the rules that we're going to follow this year. There's tons of podcasts out there that go through games, set up games, uh, do a great job analyzing the spread and things like that. On a normal week, we'll take five games. Week zero, we'll take three games. Uh, We're going to pick games against the spread. And not only will we pick them against the spread, we will assign a confidence value to them. One to five, one to three this week. One to five, five points. If you get it right, you get five points. You number two, four points, three points, two points, one point. So, uh, you know, even if you go two and three, if you hit your top, your top two scores, you'll get nine points, things like that. So we will, uh, you can pick any game. doesn't have to be top 25 game. Um, and we will, uh, go. So let's, let's go through the week zero picks. All right. For, uh, for this Saturday, Bill, why don't you give me your three-pointer? I'll give a three-pointer. Then you go two, I go two, you go one, I go one. So who is your th- enough. What's your three-pointer pick? Uh, you did some uh, picks at sportingnews.com that we'll have later in the week. People can read them there, but uh, people who want a sneak preview, let's hear it right now. Three-pointer from Bill Bender. I got Nevada minus nine against New Mexico State. I know they lost Carson Strong. I know they lost – Soon-to-be NFL Rookie of the Year, Green Bay Packers receiver Romeo Dubs. I know they've they've lost, you know, new coach. Those kind lost of things. Lost their coach. Yeah, yeah, that too. But other than that, you know, you look at this team. I talked about turnovers last year. They didn't turn the ball over much. They beat New Mexico State by twenty-eight. I think they run the ball a lot in this game. I think it's one of those games where you're going to see um, that that matter. And 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 with a new coach, they'll settle in around Toa Tawa, leading rusher last year, averaged about five yards a carry and. That nine, if it was ten and a half, I might not do it, but I'm pretty confident in the Wolf Pack here. They get a win. So I got a root against Nevada right away. All right, I got it. I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm writing these down, okay? I'm rooting <laughs> against Nevada. My three-pointer, the Nebraska Cornhuskers, which I know you don't agree with. Uh, Dublin, 1230 kickoff, Fox on Saturday. I'm taking Nebraska to cover the six and a half points against Northwestern. Last year, Nebraska beat. Northwestern 56 to seven. Uh, they gained 657 yards against them. Um, got a new quarterback in Casey Thompson, who started 10 games last year for Texas, threw for a uh, big, t- big 12 high, 24 touchdowns coming in. Um, you know, Northwestern, I just, I don't, I don't see them improving as much uh, as they need to to make this game competitive. Uh, they were, you know, this is two, three and nine teams. Both teams went one and eight in the in the conference. Uh, but Northwestern finished 14th in the league in scoring and 12th in the league in, in points allowed. Nebraska finished sixth in scoring and eighth in points allowed. 
I just like the Huskers uh, to do it again to them, uh, uh, you know, overseas uh, on twelve thirty. And boy, I can't wait to watch that game. So do I do my comeback now because it's on mine too. If it's your two pointer, go for it. If you want to save it for it's your one not, pointer, do that. I can save it or I can come back. But so we'll save that for my one pointer, obviously. And then I can give you the full response back. Um, okay. My two pointer is UTEP. UTEP over North Texas in a pick 'em. Pick 'em games are already tough to, you know, they're tough to pick. But the fact that this is a pretty big Conference USA game out of the shoot. And um, North Texas beat them 20 to 17 last year. It was a field goal with seven seconds left. It was a game where, you know, UTEP had a hot start and then they didn't really get it going, but they have Gavin Hardison back. Um, the Miners are, uh, you know, this is a program that's been perpetually bad and they're starting to turn a corner a little bit. Anytime I have a pick them this early in the season, I'm going to go with the home team, especially if they're going to do that. So it's a toss up. Might actually end up being the best game of the week if you're really into college football you will sit and watch UTEP in North Texas and enjoy it. I think the fourth quarter is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I don't know that it's on. I looked at the ESPN schedule, and that is the one game that doesn't have TV information. So I'm not sure. You know, probably can find it streaming somewhere. I don't know. My two-pointer, Vanderbilt covering. Of course. Of course. Six and a half over Hawaii. Another one you don't like. Two points for me. Uh, Hawaii, not in good shape. Tumultuous offseason. Uh, Todd Grantham's departure was a mess. They thought about hiring June Jones. That was a mess. Timmy Chang comes in, first-time head coach. Um, They are rebuilding Aloha Stadium, so they are playing on campus in a 9,000-seat, essentially high school uh, setting. There's a track around the the field. I mean, it it really looks like a high school field. Um, So it's, uh, you know – Vanderbilt's got at least a second year coach. They did not have a great season under Clark Lee. There's no question about it. They had a very bad opener last year. Um, hopefully that caught their attention. I think, you know, the, the the roster isn't ready to compete in the SEC, but I think it's ready to compete out at Hawaii. Uh, Hawaii is a 12 and a half point underdog in week one at home against Western Kentucky, who mm-hmm. lost their, you know, record setting QB. So I don't think the betters think much of Hawaii. Um, there's good reason to think, you know, to doubt Vanderbilt. I like their quarterback, Mike Wright. He, I think he's, you know, the, the problem is they don't have much of an offensive line this year, but I like Vanderbilt to at least cover six and a half. I think they can do that. Um, that's 1030 game on CBS sports network for the, the true diehards like you and I. Um, and that will be, um, yeah, that's my two pointer. It's going to be Vandy six and a half at Hawaii. I didn't touch it. I think Vandy is going to win, but when you have a mix of everything you just said with the different stadium, Vandy's bad offense, 15.8 points per game last year, Hawaii's bad defense. Um, Yeah, and then a first-time coach in Timmy Chang. It'll be – I think there's going to be a lot of bad in that game, which could lead (laughs) to a lot of excitement, and if you're up late, you'll watch it. But I I think Vandy wins, but with all that mix – of that, I'm, I'm going to say that Hawaii finds a way to cover. They've played some goofy Week Zero games in the past. This could be another one, but I do think the doors get out with a win. I'll go to uh, my number one, one, and you know we talked about this. I I like Northwestern to cover. 
you know, I, I think I know what happened last year. I know Northwestern or Nebraska ran all over them. It was 56 to seven, but this series has had a lot of goofiness too. And Northwestern gets Cam Porter back. They're across the pond. They're in Dublin. You know, Northwestern, obviously one of the things that stands out is that offense has been bad for too long. You know, 90 or third or lower in scoring offense the last four years. Uh, they, they, they are going to run the ball though in this game and they're going to do it with Cam Porter and Evan Hall. And, you know, we talk about Nebraska running the ball the last time they played. Well, you got a new offensive coordinator, Mark Whipple. You got a new quarterback in Casey Thompson. And I think they're going to throw it more than people expect this year. It's going to be like air Husker. And, you know, in this game, I think they can simplify it, but it's a, it's, these two teams were three and nine for a reason last year. There were a lot of things wrong with them. And, uh, that's why I think Nebraska gets this win, unlike last year when they lost to Illinois. But um, I like the Wildcats to cover. That's a big sp- – anytime 13, 13 points on uh, overseas, neutral site, I suppose. Weather could be a factor. You never know. Uh, I think Northwestern runs the ball enough, has enough success doing it that they hang around for four quarters. And it's That's an a- even year. It's an even year. And in the last two even years, Pat Fitzgerald has won the Big Ten West. So – I'm going to go with that. I'd rather have a good quarterback than an even year from a Northwestern fan. But, um, yeah, that's a huge game for us. That's a four-point swing. I got it as a three-pointer. You got it as a one-pointer. My one-pointer, I agree with you. I'm taking UTEP at home in the Pick'em game, although I actually found him on Vegas Insider as uh, UTEP getting one. Not that that uh, plays a huge factor. But, um, yeah, you know, uh, North Texas, I looked at that play-by-play from the game last year. North uh, UTEP tied the game at right. 17 with like 40 seconds to go. And North Texas threw a 58 yard pass with 10 seconds left to set up the winning field goal. They, they basically, I'm guessing they were just getting ready for overtime and then they just busted one pass uh, and kicked the field goal in the last play of the game. So yeah, that should be a really fun one. I agree. Uh, it's fun to have UTEP. I remember last year, the UTEP UTSA game was like a really big deal for, uh, you know, UTEP's traditionally been a team that's been so down for so long. So, all right, Bill, you got an answer for me. What's the answer to the trivia question? The question was when Brandon, Peter, when Brandon Peters got hurt in week zero last year against Nebraska, who came in at quarterback for Illinois? I, I got the last name. It's Sidkowski. I remember watching the game. I can't remember his first name. And oh. I know this is going to make me look bad because he's battling with Tommy DeVito for the starting job right now, which I think he's going to be the backup when they play Wyoming on Saturday. I want to say Peter Sikowski. Artur. It's not Arthur. It's Artur. He's got no H in his name. Artur Sikowski. I wouldn't call him by that name anyway. So he he also transferred to Illinois. Speaking of transfer QBs, do you know where he transferred from? But who no. Sitkowski before he, went, he came to Illinois, he was at where? Oh boy. I, I remember hearing this during the game last year. I want to give me like well, a half. Hint. He's an, he's an interesting guy. He was, he went to IMG and like was hyped and right. committed to Miami. And then I think Miami pulled the scholarship because they didn't offer and they didn't, they didn't love what they were seeing. And he ended up right in the big 10 Rutgers. You got it. Yeah. 
<laughs> I thought that was it. I mean, I knew, and I just knew him coming in the game. He played well in that Nebraska game last year. I remember he that played a part game. in that Penn State crazy game too for uh, right. Illinois that that eight overtime game. So he was stroking. Um, so yeah, he 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 did a great job, and you know, so who knows? But that's week zero for you. That the the funny things you remember. And that, here's what I always tell people, and it's a good segue as we close out here. Is I remember we went to my son's football game last year and then i went to roosters with a buddy and right when the nebraska illinois game kicked off i was watching and i kind of went and my life is over for the next 15 weeks and my (laughs) wife laughed and my kid even laughed and we use that inside joke to this day so when that first game gets kicked off i'll probably say that but i say it in a good way it's fun we enjoy it my wife's very understanding about the demands of this job and um she's a big oklahoma fan so she's probably right on board with your dylan gabriel pick this uh, the term football widow came to came to be for a reason, right? Yes, um, it is. And she, but she's she's ready to go. We're ready to go. It should be a lot of fun. All right, that's it. Thank you for joining CFB Nation All America podcast. We will see you next Wednesday.